Self-service is your cosmic comfort zone. An inner beauty school where self-care is celebrated, where getting real with emotions is a treat, and an interest in thoughtful, funny conversations, weird wellness, and astrology is unabashed. It's where being a little self-indulgent isn't just a shame-free act of love. It's a necessary launchpad into a life that's wholly ours. In a world where we feel good about taking up space. Here, we serve our hearts. We learn. We talk shit. We grow. And we tune the F up. Self-service. Hello. I'm Jericho Mandiva, and this is your weekly self-care dispatch from Girlboss Radio Headquarters, where I'm currently sitting on our lovely pink carpet, sending you all good vibes. <laughs> if you're listening to this on a Sunday, I hope your weekend's going well. If it's another time, congrats on making it through the day. Give yourself a little pat on the back, take a few deep breaths, and I guess let's do some self-service. Today we're speaking to a woman who says she sleeps, but I don't know, she's pretty prolific in the spiritual and self-development space. Ruby Warrington is her name, and she's the author of Material Girl, Mystical World, The Now Age Guide to a High Vibe Life. She's also the founder of a digital platform, an online mentoring program, and she's writing her second book as we speak. That book is on alcohol and our individual and and social relationships with it. And that's what I want to talk to her about. It's a conversation separate from like the tried and tested means of dealing with alcohol abuse like AA. But it's one that we can all probably get something out of, especially if we've kind of found ourselves in the privileged position of spending all our money on drinking and partying and finding that we're unfulfilled by it, but not really knowing quite why, uh, that's where Ruby's term sober curious comes in. And speaking of overindulgence, our astrologer pal Jessica Laniato is going to give us a lesson on working with Jupiter, king of the gods in Roman mythology. It's the planet of good fortune and prosperity, but like everything, it has a shadow side too. And Jessica's going to tell us all about this big old planet. But before all of that, we're going to take a mo to think about the week ahead and how we want to approach it. So as usual, we're going to pull a tarot card to serve as our guiding self-care inspiration, a signpost, if you will. This week, it's the Empress. I think this is the first major Akana card we've received since beginning the show. I did go on a rant about the star in like episode three, but that doesn't really count because I didn't pull it at random. I just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> so the Empress, it's a card that represents the divine feminine. It's the most Mother Earth-like depiction. It's like Beyonce in her floral pregnancy photos level kind of Earth Mother shit. It's about birthing something and the expansion of life as much as it is about like letting yourself receive and accept the beauty in life and the lives around you. The number three is all about growth and creativity it is the first time, numerologically speaking, that we kind of escape duality. So I'm like totally not a numerologist here, by the way, but I can generally say that 
Number one equals the will or the idea. And number two means you have this kind of like fertile binary. From that springs three, which is creativity and the life force of growth. So the Empress might ask us to be as receiving as we are giving this week. Recognizing an energy like this means recognizing patterns of generosity in your life or lack of patterns of receptivity in your life or lack of like can you see what's coming to you and can you claim it wholeheartedly is a question I would encourage you to ask this week so like a reminder that abundance is never really that far away if we can like get right with ourselves and what we do have what might be harder to see is the fact that it's like our birthright. We can be the empresses of our own lives and open and receptive to beauty and everything going on around us and just let it fill us with creativity and, and beauty and, and then help give that to others too. Up next, we'll be speaking to Ruby Warrington, a woman who coined the term sober curious. But first... Here is a confession. I hate brushing my teeth. I just like really hate it. But I also know how important it is to look after your teeth every day. So does Quip. That's why they've combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. Quip's toothbrush is like none that I've seen before. Like first off, it's sleek as hell. It's much slimmer than a traditional bulky boy. And it packs just the right amount of vibrations into a super chic design. When it's time to switch sides, Quip's guiding pulses alert you so you can just like totally zone out while you're brushing your teeth and then be like oh time to switch sides which I love it's also incredibly easy to just like mount to your mirror it unsticks to use as a hygienic cover for all your like carry-on gym bag and travel needs and speaking of hygienic Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist's recommended schedule sending a new brush head every three months for just five dollars including worldwide shipping which is amazing because previously i've gone years without upgrading a rush and i'm not kidding <laughs> quip starts at just 25 dollars, and if you go to getquip.com self-service right now you'll get your first refill pack free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com self-service So this week's guest is an author, the founder of the New Age platform, The Numinous, and the co-founder of the digital spiritual mentoring program, Moon Club, of which I am a member. Her name is Ruby Warrington, and she's going to talk to us about self-care, spirituality, and sober curiousness. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Jericho. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Nice intro. It's funny when I hear these intros, I'm like, wow, yeah, I really kind of juggle quite a lot of things there, but they all dovetail. They're all coming from the same place, you know, so. <laughs> for sure. There's a lot of spinning plates, but they're mm. all spinning in the same circus. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All spinning in the same Something direction. like that. <laughs> Metaphors are not my strong point, but, you know, I would love to ask you about sober curiousness. Uh, what mm. is this term that you came up with? How did you get to the point where you realized you yourself were interested in exploring sobriety and thinking more about this stuff? Well, it's interesting. So in my first book, Material Girl, Mystical World, the last section of that book is called is on people and parties. 
And the book mm-hmm. is kind of an introduction to all of the different sort of spiritual or what I call like now age topics that I cover on the Numinous and mm-hmm. a guide to how to use them in your life um, and my experiences incorporating these practices. And then the surprise kind of subplot of bringing all these practices into my life, things like yoga, meditation, shamanism, astrology, tarot, plant medicine, etc. Mm-hmm. The surprise subplot to all of this was me massively reevaluating my relationship to alcohol um, on a personal level, but then also really starting to look around at like how we as a society use alcohol and how so often when we're talking about things like wellness and self-care and spirituality, the effects of alcohol, not only the effects, but actually the, um, the way that we use alcohol is actually very counter to the, a lot of the things we're trying to achieve or seeking or enjoying discovering about ourselves through our spiritual and self-care practices, for example. And this reflected my own journey of just really over the past sort of seven years, I guess, which has reflected my journey into entrepreneurship and becoming an author and like really pursuing much more deeply and with much more conviction my own path Mm -hmm. with just realizing that alcohol and the way that I was consuming alcohol was not only a hindrance, but was also kind of stopping me from really connecting to my sense of aliveness and my confidence and my creativity. And yet I was continuing to drink in the same way because everybody I knew drank that way. And it's just kind of like what we do. So like Mm -hmm. I said, the last section of that book, uh, of the first book is on people and parties, because I really wanted to talk about the role that substances play, particularly when talking about things like spirituality, emotional well-being, especially Mm-hmm. These are all substances, alcohol and other drugs that we use to alter our moods, that we use to numb out from feelings that we don't particularly know how to deal with or don't want to look at, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, the conversation about spirituality is very deeply interwoven with the conversation about how we use substances and the different ways that we numb out. Mm-hmm. So it might seem like it's a kind of a side subject, but actually I see it as completely, like I said, just interwoven with everything else that I work on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that section contains a chapter on plant medicine. It contains a chapter called on Burning Man, my experience of, of getting trashed at Burning Man and <laughs> how that was very, it was kind of like counter to my spiritual goals for myself at that point in my life. <laughs> and also a chapter called Healing is the New Nightlife, mm-hmm. which was really about how since stepping onto this kind of numinous, wellness, mystical, new age path, I was getting so many of the things that I used to seek from alcohol through my experience of connecting with myself through my experience of actually confronting some of the emotional trauma that I've been carrying in my life and actually Mm -hmm. working with these things, working to overcome these things. I was having amazing experiences of social connection, of creative passion and inspiration, of transcendence to like different states of consciousness and -hmm. just slowly realizing that actually I didn't need alcohol to have any of these experiences. So it's become Mm. something that I'm really passionate about sharing um, just from my own experience and within my own kind of friendship circles. I know that many people find themselves caught between like a realization that perhaps alcohol isn't serving them and then a social life and perhaps a family life and even a work life where alcohol Mm. is like deeply, deeply entrenched in all of those interactions and feeling like it can be quite difficult to navigate being a non-drinker in lots and lots of situations. 
So sure. yeah, my second book is going to be out next year and it's called Sober Curious. <laughs> so yeah, why Sober Curious and not Sober Sober? <laughs> I guess yeah. you could say. Um, I mean, I get obviously deep into that in the book and I have many theories about it, but I, I got to a point in my journey where I did go to AA because I didn't really feel like there was anywhere else to even have the conversation, let alone mm-hmm. get any kind of support in not drinking, mm-hmm. making a choice that was often counter to what everyone else I knew was doing. But I realized that AA, the, the very black and white kind of view around sobriety and addiction yeah. didn't really speak to my experience. Mm-hmm. I do acknowledge that I have been addicted to alcohol. And I also have kind of come to believe that anyone who drinks regularly is probably a little bit addicted to alcohol, whether it's presenting as a problem or not, if that even makes sense. <laughs> um, sure. But it just felt mm-hmm. like there wasn't very much convers- space outside of AA. And like I said, this very absolute black and white idea around sobriety to even ask any other mm-hmm. questions. Hence, you know, sober curious for me is really just about like actually stopping and asking the question before you just automatically pick up the next drink or automatically assume mm-hmm. that because you're going out for dinner, that's going to be happening or, you know, so it's really just about asking right. lots of questions. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, um, a more non-judgmental approach, mm-hmm. I guess you would say having that kind of conversation and just asking that question rather than presuming that, you know, alcohol doesn't work for anyone or alcohol works for everyone. And, and speaking of that kind of social conversation or social connectedness that alcohol is so a part of, you have these social events mm-hmm. called Club Soda. <laughs> How did those come about? When did you kind of realize that other people around you were, you know, questioning their relationship to alcohol in this kind of less black and white and more nuanced way as well? So Club Soda stands for Sober or Debating Abstinence. <laughs> I love playing with words and so I had to find an acronym for it. I'm like, that's a cool name, but it needs something <laughs> too. <laughs> so the first one was actually just like a group of friends at my apartment about two years ago. And I actually just wrote a bit about this in my book. I'm like, you probably, if you think about your friendship group, you probably know who are the people you might invite to an event like this. It's maybe like the person who always drinks until they black out, or maybe it's like the person who's always, who says they're allergic to alcohol or something, or it's the person who, you know, is always suggesting you go to a yoga day instead of like out on Friday night. There are just, you'll just kind of, they'll just... Mm -hmm. And similarly, like I said, in my kind of social group, there were certain people who had either expressed, yes, me too, when I started talking about what I was experiencing, or who I just Mm -hmm. got the sense were kind of like making these choices on their own and just kind of quietly doing it for themselves. And so I invited a bunch of these people and about seven or eight people showed up and we sat around in my apartment and just talked about it. And it felt so good just to realize as it so often does, and which is one of the amazing things that people get from AA as well, just the kind of that idea of being able to share without fear of being judged. Some things that might seem like, oh, there's something wrong with me, or I have a problem, or this has been difficult for me, you know, Yeah. as you might get in any kind of support group, but without any judgment and without any dogma and without you having to then never drink again, now that you've opened your mouth and said these things, you know, (laughs) living with with that pressure and live with that pressure. So mm-hmm. I decided that actually this did feel like it was a wider conversation. Just my intuition was telling me that this is something other people would find valuable too. And so I approached 
a meditation artist I had recently met called Biet Simkin, mm -hmm. who actually has eight years, 12 step recovery. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to, if I was going to do it as a bigger event, partner with someone who had that background so that I knew that what, the way we were talking about this was responsible. Because I also completely appreciate that for many people, the idea of keeping the, the door open to alcohol on any level is just very dangerous and is, yes. it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So we always acknowledge that at the beginning of all of our events, you know, this is not, Club Soda is not somewhere to come and get sober. It's not a recovery program. Mm. It's, it's, it's in addition. It can be in addition to that if you're in yeah. that kind of a program. Or it's, you know, somewhere to come and just kind of meet some other people who maybe want to do things a bit differently. As an entrepreneur and a very spiritual person, how do you make time for self-care and spirituality when you're also so busy as fuck? Like, how does that look for you? <laughs> well, not drinking is a great one for that. It was mm -hmm. only when I stopped drinking that I realized how much time of my life was dedicated to either getting drunk and <laughs> being hungover, like recovering from being drunk. Like honestly, take yeah. those take the take those two things off the table. I'm like, wow, I've got <laughs> an entire weekend now to like do whatever I want to do. But in terms mm. of yeah, I actually had this conversation with someone earlier. You know, the flip side of that is that well, when you are an entrepreneur, and particularly when you're working on projects that are very linked to your kind of personal interests and personal passions, and that you feel very passionately that, about you know, being good work in the world, which is kind of where we'd all like to be, right? It's very easy mm. to ignore the off button and just kind of like keep going and keep going and keep going. And I definitely last year in particular with the book coming out, really got to a point of utter burnout that I haven't ever experienced in my career before. Mm. And I've realized that I had to find a way to just kind of like shut it down sometimes. So for mm. me, it really looks like building time in my day to like just do nothing, mm -hmm. which sounds a little kind of strange. Like, how do you even do nothing in an age when we're like so yeah. on all the time? You have to actually really, I've had to train myself to feel okay doing nothing. So, okay, looking, doing nothing for me doesn't actually look like doing nothing. I'm not like lying on the floor, just like looking at the ceiling. Still, yeah. <laughs> that would probably be really good for me. I mean, I do meditate every day, but that's still, I'm still meditating when I do that, mm -hmm. right? I'm still doing something. But I like to I like to cook and I like to do things like make soup, which just kind of like involves lots of just kind of simple chopping and you know mm -hmm. <laughs> things like mm -hmm. that. I love to <laughs> I love to read novels. I don't really uh -huh. read many like self help books or anything like that. I just love to read stories. Mm. I love to do yoga. I just do yoga at home as well. I don't go to a studio because again, that's kind of like another thing on my schedule. So I just do yes. yoga at home. And yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes I do just kind of like sit at my desk and breathe yeah. for a while. Pretty simple things. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And would you mind letting people listening know how they can learn more about, you know, sober curiousness and all the good things that you're doing online? Sure. Well, my Instagram handle is at the underscore numinous, which is N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S. And I'm, I am there apart from at the weekend. Um, and then my <laughs> website is the hyphen numinous.com. And there are kind of links to everything I do on there. There's also a Club Soda website, which is clubsoda.nyc. So we post our upcoming events and things on there. But yeah, Instagram's generally kind of like where I talk about everything that's going on. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our resident astrologer, Jessica Lenyardo, and myself are frequently inundated with listener questions about astrology, about self-care, about our great style. The list goes on. And if you have a question or a comment for us or for our other regularly appearing buddy, psychologist Dr. Lauren, you can literally just DM us at us or use the hashtag self-service podcast. This week, I'm asking Jessica to tackle a planet-related reader question, and that essentially is, what's the deal with that old Jupiter fellow? And of course, she's also going to give us a peek into what might be in store for us this week. Thanks, Jericho. It's good to be back on self-service. So the thing to know about the planet Jupiter is that a lot of people associate it with good luck and benevolence. And when people hear about Jupiter, they're like, everything's going to be chill and everything's going to be easy. And while the planet does govern optimism and growth and expansion, it's not without its problems. So the thing about Jupiter, when we see it in astrology, is we see the desire to expand, but it has a hard time with boundaries. So where we have Jupiter, we have easy come, easy go if we don't work hard to keep it. And because of this, Jupiter is a planet that is associated with adventures and gambling and alcoholism and the eternal student. And so when we look at Jupiter transiting through the sign of Scorpio, which it's doing now and will be doing for about a year. So Jupiter takes about a year to move through each individual sign. So the last time it was in Scorpio was about 12 years ago is that Scorpio is really associated with, as we know, sex and death and intensity. And so when we have this planet moving through this sign, we can expect major themes happening in society, but also in our personal lives around power and power struggles, around sex and sexuality, and in particular, sex as related to power struggles. So we see themes of subjugation and Again, as I said, Jupiter is kind of about extremes and, and growth. And so the thing that's really interesting about this transit is it can be a time where we go deep into healing and we can see changes on a societal level. So that's a little bit different than like changes in, in government or, or in how things actually go. But we see changes in hearts, minds, and attitudes. But the tricky thing is that we can get obsessed because it's Scorpio. So we can get obsessed on ideas or we can get obsessed with hashtags or movements or pain or things that we think will help us. So the trick is not to lose meaning through our obsessions, but instead to get obsessed with finding meaning. And if we can do this, then we're making the most of this Jupiter in Scorpio transit. So that said, I'd love to give you guys a little bit of uh, 411 on this week's horoscope. So this week's got a lot going on, including a really intense new moon in Pisces on the 17th. So before we get to the new moon, we have from March 10th through the 12th, the sun trining Uranus and also sextiling Pluto. And then from the 12th through the 14th, we have Venus forming a square to Saturn and the sun's forming a trine to Jupiter. So in English, what all this means is that this is a really 
going to be a very intense period where you can try new things and take risks. When I say try new things and take risks, part of what I'm talking about is changing the way you talk to yourself. It can be something as simple as not drinking coffee is, you know, late into the day. It doesn't have to be major crazy things, but it's about doing things that are different and engaging so that you can grow. That's the potential here. The tricky part because of that Venus square to Saturn is that we can kind of get distracted by bright and shiny things. We can kind of get distracted by how things seem to others or how you think they're supposed to go instead of staying centered around what we actually care about. And so make sure that regardless of your mood, regardless of what's going on around you, that you stay connected to the things you actually care about, the things you truly value and the people that you care about and value. Even if there's really fun distractions or really, you know, panic inducing distractions kind of pulling you away. So that all leads up to this new moon in Pisces on the 17th. And that's happening at 6.12 AM California time, Pacific time. And this is a really interesting new moon because Pisces is a sign that is really related to meaning and meaning on a spiritual level. It's a really sensitive sign. And when we have a new moon in Pisces, generally it just makes us feel really compassionate and really connected to what we care about. But Mars is really standing out here and forming a square to the sun moon conjunction because new moons are always a sun moon conjunction. And so the question to ask yourself, during this new moon, and especially in the week leading up to it as well, is what are you fighting for? Mars kind of gets your hackles up. Mars can make you feel defensive or kind of fuel you on anger, but that doesn't actually serve your soul. So the question is, are you fighting against something or someone, or are you fighting for something or someone? And from an energetics perspective, fighting for is always stronger and it's better for the soul. So find the thing that you believe in. Find the, find your yes in a sea of agitation or irritability or ambition. And remember that you are more than what you do. You are more than the sum of your actions. It's also your intent and it's how you feel inside. And the moon in Pisces really wants you to pay attention to how you feel and to set yourself on course with things that are gonna be really good for your soul. So that's your horoscope for this week. If you want more woo, you can always follow me at Instagram or on Twitter at Jessica Lignato, or you can go to my website, read my horoscopes and get more astrology at lovelignato.com. If you have questions of things you want to hear about or more questions about astrology, you can at me or Jericho on Instagram or Twitter, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much to Jessica for that fabulous reading and thank you to Ruby as well for joining us today. If you liked this episode, please rate, review and share it. Not only do I read and appreciate every review that you leave, but it really helps us get the attention of new listeners and I want everybody who might enjoy this show to actually be able to find it. Follow at Girlboss Radio and at Girlboss to stay on top of everything exciting we're doing in the podcast network and you can follow me personally at jericho.mandiva on instagram or at jericho underscore m on twitter you're the best don't change bye